0: Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95 3, news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I also want to thank RB Car Company. Once again, if you're looking for a used vehicle, go to rbcarcompany.com. RB Car Company are your used car experts. All right, so let's talk about uh, SB 5 in Indiana. So Holcomb, Governor Holcomb, um, he vetoed it, and this was a bill that would limit local health department actions. Uh, would would prevent them basically from being able to shut businesses down, close churches, that sort of thing. It took away this unilateral control that local health departments had, which they've clearly abused throughout the pandemic. The courts have ruled that they've abused uh, this authority during the pandemic. And so the legislature put forth SB 5, which would limit the ability of local health officials to be able to do these sorts of things. And Governor Holcomb, because uh, Governor Holcomb is a Democrat, uh, Governor Holcomb decided to go ahead and veto that. He, he didn't want anything to do with it. So let's just go to the Indy Star real quick, give you a little background, and then I'll tell you what's happening today. Governor Eric Holcomb vetoed a bill that could have made it more challenging for local health departments to implement COVID-19 business restrictions and require masks. Uh, did you see the story about the, the youth soccer players in the People's Republic of Seattle? So the parents were outside watching their kids play soccer, and the youth official came over and and, uh, kicked all of the parents out and permanently banned the students, the kids, from being able to play soccer because the parents didn't have masks on outside. I know, right? Until the legislative session, Holcomb had only used his veto powers twice. Now he's vetoed legislation three times this session alone, just the latest sign of discord between the Republican legislative supermajority and Holcomb, a fellow Republican in name only. Uh, Throughout the pandemic, Holcomb allowed cities and counties to enact more stringent restrictions than his own, a power that Indianapolis especially found necessary to use. Now, here's the thing. There, There is an argument to be made that at the local level, There should be more control than what comes from the state. The problem is, is that Holcomb allowed the local level to go beyond what he had done. That was the problem. And what that was designed to do is that was designed to shield Holcomb from the brunt of criticism in some of the, well, let's just say the worst run areas in the state. Because what was happening is he was basically saying, hey, you guys can go ahead and and do whatever, I'll set this, you know, this little blanket sort of status here, and you can do it more strict, you can do it less strict, whatever, Uh, just don't, you know, it's not my responsibility anymore. As I've told you from the very beginning, Holcomb avoids controversy, he avoids tough decisions, he avoids leadership, he doesn't want the responsibility, he wants nothing to do with it. Holcomb wants to come away from every event with his hands as squeaky clean as he possibly can. That's just what he's about, okay? He doesn't he doesn't like anybody not liking him. He doesn't like doing anything controversial. He's certainly not a leader. Holcomb is a placeholder that the Republicans awkwardly and weirdly selected. Uh, we kind of went over that before on this show and his very unusual and strange rise to power within the Indiana Republican Party, which was more about him being a placeholder because of other things that were happening in the party, but I digress. So this whole thing was designed where if something was worse or more restrictive than what the governor's provisions were, you couldn't complain to the governor because the governor would go, well, look, I have nothing to do with it. That's your local health officials. That's on them. Leave me alone. Stop yelling at me. So that's kind of what happened. Senate Bill 5 would have required restrictions from those local health departments to be approved by their local legislative bodies, and in the case of local cities, by the mayor. So all this was, was Senate Bill 5 said, okay, we're not going to let unelected bureaucrats, who, let's be honest, have made tremendous amounts of mistakes throughout this entire thing, we're not going to allow them to rule by fiat, as if they're little dictators, in these these local municipalities. It's really that simple. If they want to propose something, they can present their case to the local legislative body, and the local legislative body will take a vote on it. And if the local legislative body believes that the health officials are making a strong enough case, then they'll go along with it. But there's oversight. There's a check and balance there, so you have the legislator, uh, legislature, excuse me, basically weighing the advice of health officials and anybody else that they want to call in and, and present their case about. And then they can weigh that with the citizens. They can weigh that with yes, politics. And they can look at all of it and go, all right, this makes sense or it doesn't make sense. And then they can vote. You know how it's supposed to be. This isn't all that difficult. That's all this was. This wasn't basically saying that politicians were going to control your health instead of health officials. Uh, It wasn't going to be anything like that. All it was was allowing a check and a balance. Okay, We already know that local health officials in multiple states and right here in Michigan and St. Joseph County have violated the rule of law. They've admitted it in court. The courts have already gone through this process in several places throughout the state of Indiana and across the border in Michigan. Uh, In Michigan, heck, it even involves the Supreme Court and the governor, for crying out loud. But we already know that those local health officials have broken the law. This provides an additional check and balance to prevent that from happening again in the future. And this time, you as voters are able to hold your legislative body responsible for how they're handling a situation like this. So if the legislative body is unreasonably rubber stamping the local health officials, or if the legislative body is unreasonably opposing local health officials, you, the voter, get to go ahead and apply pressure. You don't get to apply pressure to a health official. You have no say in their job. But you do have the say with the legislative, uh, well, the legislature, I should say. Uh, You have a say with their position. This is all Senate Bill 5 did. That's it. Very easy piece of legislation to understand. Nothing difficult about it. Nothing crazy about it at all. Simply provided an additional check and balance, as we have clearly seen, emergency powers be abused routinely throughout the state of Indiana, the state of Michigan, and all over the country at the local level. So some senators got together and said, let's stop that. Let's put a balance there, a check on that authority with the legislative body. What has been the number one complaint about health officials overstepping throughout the pandemic? They have been doing so unilaterally without input from the legislature. It just happened in St. Joseph County again when Dr. Eiderts once again violated the agreements that he had made about seeking advice and consent with the local legislative body. And he went right around him anyway. This would prevent that from happening. And what did Governor Holcomb do? Veto. Because he doesn't want... He doesn't want that. This is the thing. Okay, first of all, never trust somebody who wants to be liked by everybody because somebody who wants to be liked by everybody will never stand on principle, and they're generally not liked by anyone. They're so afraid of being controversial that nobody actually likes them, but everybody just kind of goes along to get along with them. So the, the surface level in their narrow view of the world, the surface level is that, Nobody really hates me. Y'all think I'm okay. You know, they'll come to my cocktail parties. Everything's fine. But nobody's yelling at me. Nobody's frothing at me. That sort of thing. So I'm okay. That's Holcomb. And there's a lot of folks that are like that. There's a lot of news agencies that are like that. They will not report the truth because the truth will be polarizing. So they will just simply go middle of the road. We are going to be in the center no matter what, even though two plus two is clearly four. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to pursue truth. It's all right. You don't have to seek out controversy for the sake of seeking out controversy. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes, sometimes there is just right and wrong, and fact and opinion, and fact and lie. And you just have to report the fact. You just have to. And if you're a leader, there are times where you're just going to have to grow a pair and make the right decision. And the right decision is to make sure that you don't have some power-hungry little dweeb somewhere in a local health department abusing their authority without allowing the local legislative body to be able to go ahead and keep them in check. That's it. It's not that hard. In Indianapolis, that means that the city council, uh, city county council, and Mayor Joe Hogsett opponents, uh, let's see, opponents, wait, hold on, in Indianapolis, that means the city county council and Mayor Joe Hogsett this is the Indie Star again. Opponents to the bill worry that adding the extra level of bureaucracy would cause unnecessary delays in times of emergency. No, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. These things are, first of all, none of these are, are delayed overly for an overly extended period of time. They're all going to be handled in a timely fashion. We're talking about something that is extremely rare to happen, but it did happen this time around, and we learned an awful lot. We learned that a bunch of power-hungry little dweebs will do whatever they think that they have to do in order to go ahead and control your lives. They'll shut your churches down. They'll shut your businesses down. They'll start trying to charge you money. They'll try and keep you at your home. They'll keep your kids away from school. They won't allow you to drive. They won't allow you to go to the store. They won't allow you to do this. They won't allow you to do that. And none of those people are answerable to the people at all. They're not answerable to you in any way, shape, or form. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a mechanism to ensure that they were not abusing their authority? That was a lot quicker than having to go through the court system. This is the other thing. So opponents of this bill and supporters of Holcomb's veto are out there going, this might slow down the reactions to some of these events that are out there. Well, I could actually make the opposite Argument to you because what we have had is we have had definitively, demonstrably, and I've got the court cases to back it up. We have local health officials, including in St. Joseph County, who have abused their authority, and it took months to get that rectified because you had to go through the legal system and you had to go through the courts instead of being able to go right directly to the legislative body and handle it that way. So, something that could have been handled in days, maybe a couple of weeks took months, and in some cases a year, to resolve through the legal process because there wasn't a check and balance to an authoritarian bureaucrat's idea of what should and should not be done. This is really that simple. So what's actually happening? Because now that the uh, governor has vetoed this, what's the next step? And when will that be happening? I'll give you the updates on that coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in, News Talk 953, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget Mother's Day right around the corner. If you go to impressjewelers.com and get the address for Impress Jewelry Creations, they have a very special promotional offer for MNC listeners only. If you spend three hundred ninety-nine dollars in store, you can qualify up to a hundred and fifty dollar gift from LaFon Jewelry. And again, you have to you have to mention This ad, when you do this in store, Uh, you can't shop on the website and get this deal. You have to actually go into Impress Jewelry Creations and get it. But, you know, you have an opportunity to get a couple of different presents for for mom, maybe something for yourself and then maybe something for your mom, depending on however you want to do it. Uh, But again, go to Impress Jewelry Creations. They're located on University Park Drive and they are right next to uh, Judy's and also C. Kramer Interiors. And, of course, let them know that I sent you. It's the only way that you can get this. So you spend $399 in store at Impress Jewelry Creations, and then you qualify for up to $150 gift from Lafon Jewelry while supplies last. And, again, the deal ends on Mother's Day. All right. So a senator has defended his bill after Holcomb's veto, uh, basically saying that unelected officials shouldn't be able to close businesses and churches. Exactly. Uh, this is a news bug uh, dot info. So the Indiana state senator who authored a bill that checks the power of local health officials to unilaterally shut down businesses and churches during a health emergency defended his bill after the governor's veto when unelected officials are empowered to such a level as to limit rigorous liberty, shutter houses of worship, choose which businesses may operate and which must close and impose fines on Hoosiers for living as free men and women. There must be a structural check and balance in place. That is Senator Chris Garten, who's a Republican of Charlestown. Um, And that was a statement that he issued yesterday on Senate Bill 5. So what, what appears to be happening now is the legislature is coming back on Monday. And on Monday, they're going to vote on whether or not they're going to override the governor's veto here. And if they override the governor's veto, then the bill will go forward. If they fail to override the veto, um, and again, never have, I mean, have no, I have no idea how this is going to go. Um, I am a pessimist when it comes to the Republican Party in Indiana. I just That's just how it is. Sorry. But they may pleasantly surprise me. Who knows? Uh, but if they don't override the veto, then the bill dies and local health officials can continue to do whatever the heck that they want to do. Uh, but the idea behind this, again, this is the important part that, that people have to understand. The idea behind this is to ensure that you don't have a local health official get out of control like we have had. You know, it I, it is amazing to me, not surprising, but still amazing to me how Dr. Einters has been in court and has admitted in court that he broke the law and that he abused his authority, and that he did things that he didn't have the legal authority to do, and local news basically kept their mouths shut about it and didn't say a darn thing. That, to me, is astounding. Absolutely astounding. There are very few stories that every media enterprise should immediately gravitate towards, And a bureaucrat in government abusing their power and having to admit it in a court of law is an easy, low-hanging fruit story that every news outfit in the entire country should immediately grab onto. But they didn't. They ignored it. And I'm talking to everybody. I mean, everybody just ignored it. We covered it on this show. Uh, One or two other places picked up on it. That was it. Your television news, your papers didn't cover it. Didn't cover it at all. If you were to walk around the street right now and and mention this to people, they would be perplexed and they would look at, what are you talking about? What do you mean he was in court and admitted he did things that he didn't have the authority to do? But that happened. It took a long time for that to be resolved because there wasn't a check and balance in place. Because the local legislative body wasn't empowered to be able to vote on his recommendations that's what sb5 is designed to do and unfortunately the governor trying to avoid any controversy he doesn't want any kind of any kind of blowback on him he's just like no 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 no, whatever local health officials can do this it's, it's fine just running from the problem scared like he always has been We've got more coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel don't forget you can find us online uh, Trovo.live/slash Casey the host. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk ninety five three, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I'm your host Casey Hendrickson. R and B Car Company are your used car experts. Got their full inventory and special offers right there on their website at rbcarcompany.com. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer to receive a Profile in COVID Courage Award. That is the headline. Um, This is, of course, besides the individual who has still got a pending investigation against her for the nursing home fiasco in the state of Michigan, a Supreme Court ruling against her for violating state law and the state constitution uh, for her uh, handling of COVID, whose husband got caught trying to get special favors during COVID uh, in violation of his wife's own orders to get their boat in the water sooner. Uh, was it last Labor Day, I believe it was, Uh, in spite of a very strange and weird scandal in which the head of health resigned, was forced to sign a nondisclosure agreement, was paid over $100,000 as a severance package, and everything else that has happened in the state of Michigan, including her getting caught lying about the nursing home situation, and the attempt to allow a Democratic political firm to have the full contact tracing contract, which could have been ported over to the Democratic Party to use that information for election reasons, which she, of course, claimed, I I had no idea that that was happening. He was caught red-handed again and was forced to cancel that contract. In spite of all of that and so much more in the state of Michigan, she's going to get a profile in COVID Courage Award. Michigan is the worst state for COVID. It has been rated as the worst state for dealing with COVID. It has been rated as the worst state for recovering from COVID. And she's going to get a COVID Courage Award. Oh, but wait, there's more. We'll get to that. So anyway, this is Twitchy. Uh, During the pandemic, people in Michigan saw their governor shut down businesses, in-person learning, and put in place all kinds of arbitrary mandates, all while demonstrating the usual political hypocrisy. Oh, yeah, she's got two-year-olds wearing masks now. Additionally, nursing home deaths were among the highest in the country, and some of her edicts were smacked down by the courts. Add it all up, and it was apparently an award-winning job performance. (laughs) So the Detroit News says Michigan's Governor Whitmer is one of seven people who will be honored by the John F. Kennedy Library Foundation for risking their own health and safety to protect others during the pandemic. Now, are they talking about when Governor Whitmer went out and protested with the Black Lives Matter protesters and did hands up, don't shoot, which, of course, is a lie that never happened. And then she was asked about social distancing and, and wearing masks and stuff like that. And she said we wore a mask the entire time, except, of course, we've got pictures of her not wearing one. Is, is that when she put her own health and safety at risk or was it? that Gretchen Whitmer merely existed and there was a group of crazy anarchists who were going to kidnap her, who she falsely accused of being pro-Trump acolytes, even though they despised President Trump. Is that what we're talking about? This... (laughs) I mean, the other story that we have about Gretchen Whitmer here... From this past week, and we alluded to it yesterday with another horrendously stupid Whitmer story. She apparently used a private jet and traveled to Florida during COVID. Now, we went over this yesterday. We were talking with my friend Todd Starnes' piece about her. And we've got several of her officials, okay, her health officials, who violated her own order to not travel. Okay, Uh, one went to Florida, one didn't. And Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer reportedly asked a group of wealthy Detroit businessmen to borrow a private jet so that she could travel to Florida in March, just as Florida was struggling with a COVID-19 variant that Whitmer would later warn her own residents about. Now, she was, of course, telling all of you, you couldn't do that, but she was doing it. Her health officials were doing it other senior officials in her staff are doing it but you're not allowed to and just like every other democratic governor who gets caught doing this sort of thing her response when you call her out on it is to say that you're sexist oh and now your 2-year-old has to wear a mask you you want it you want to go for 1-year-olds say something else cuz i'm Gretchen Whitmer Detroit journalist Charlie LeDuff revealed Thursday on Deadline Detroit that Whitmer asked businessmen, uh, businessmen have major dealings in and with the state of Michigan for what appears to be a political favor, calling on the group to provide her a, quote, private plane that they share so that she did not have to fly commercial. See, if she would have flown commercial, she would have at least technically been putting herself in harm's way, Right. One of the businessmen told Laduff that the group felt obligated to do as the governor asked. Quote, we wondered why she reached out to us instead of booking a private charter. You can't tell a governor no. Who needs that kind of trouble, they said. So you've got a reporter in the state of Michigan who's got business people who now felt like they were compelled under order of the the Hare Whittler to allow her to use their private jet so she can jaunt off to Florida. After everything that happened with her husband, after everything that happened with the nursing homes, after everything that happened with the contact tracing scandal, after her getting caught lying about all of that, uh, after multiple health officials violating her own orders in order to leave the state for spring break, and, and, and then you have this, and then, again, tons more. Tons more. And they're going to give her an award? <laughs> this award is less prestigious than the Pulitzer. The last three Pulitzers have been given to people who wrote stories that were fake news stories, that were proven to be fake news stories, and they still got a Pulitzer anyway. That's, that's the state of things. You win awards if you're scum and you lie and you deceive people. That's, that's how you win awards now. If you're actually accomplished, you do good things, you're good at what you do, now nah, you don't get awards anymore. Now nah, you get belittled, you get attacked, you get harassed. In the case of Glenn Greenwald, I mean, you get called as a, a blogger, for crying out loud, one of the most prestigious journalists in the country. You get called a blogger simply because you, you write on Substack now. <laughs> you have to laugh Because this is craziness. We do live in clown world. I don't know how else to put it. This is 100% clown world. You have more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Honeywell International exported U.S. military blueprints to China. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Here's a full statement from the State Department. U.S. uh, Department of State has concluded an administrative settlement with Honeywell International, uh, Honeywell of Charlotte, North Carolina, to resolve alleged violations of the Arms Export Control Act and the International Traffic in Arms Regulations. The Department of State and Honeywell have reached this settlement following an extensive compliance review by the Office of Defense Trade Controls Compliance in the Department's Bureau of Political Military Affairs. The Department of State and Honeywell have reached an agreement pursuant to ITAR uh, 128 uh, Mark 11 to address alleged unauthorized exports and retransfers of controlled technical data that contained engineering prints showing dimensions, geometrics, and layouts for manufacturing castings and finished parts for multiple aircraft, gas turbine engines, and military electronics, and two and or within Canada, Ireland, Mexico, the People's Republic of China, and Taiwan. Nice. That sounds wonderful. The settlement demonstrates the department's role in strengthening U.S. industry by protecting U.S. origin defense articles, including technical data from unauthorized exports. The settlements also highlight the importance of attaining appropriate authorization from the department, meaning the government uh, for exporting controlled articles under the terms of the 36th month consent agreement. Honeywell will pay a civil penalty of $13 million. So not that much. The department has agreed to suspend $5 million of this amount on the condition that the funds will be used for department approved consent agreement, remedial compliance measures to strengthen Honeywell's compliance program. In addition for an additional, excuse me, for an initial period of at least 18 months, An external special compliance officer will be engaged by Honeywell to oversee the consent agreement, which will also require the company to conduct one external audit of its compliance program during the agreement terms, as well as implement additional compliant measures. Uh, So Honeywell apparently voluntarily disclosed the violations um, to the government and don't have all the details on how it all went down, but... (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, $13 million fine and, you know, $5 million of it's suspended, you know, so it's, it's cool. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. And you just give the Chinese some military technology. Yeah. What's the big deal? Not like the Chinese don't do that all the time anyway. So it's, it's a, okay, you know, but Hey, it's the fact that you gave some of these blueprints to China is mitigated because you gave them to Ireland but then you also gave them to Mexico, but that gets mitigated because you gave them to Canada, um, and then of course Taiwan is an ally. So I guess all in all, Honeywell gave it to the good guys more than the bad guys. So that's that's okay. That's everything is is fine is <laughs> <It's> fine there. <laughs> I know how many of you love your Honeywell. I know it. I know there's double meaning there. But I, I know how many of you in this audience absolutely love your Honeywell. Um, now, look, I'm not saying that Honeywell's a bad company or anything of that nature. I'm just pointing out that this is, this is a pretty big mistake. This is a big oopsie. Pretty big oopsie. But it happened. Uh, it's not great. And, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be used against us. At some point in time, it'll be used against us, whether anybody wants to freely admit that or not. That's the reality of the situation uh the uh, other countries will use that technology they will use those castings They will test them out in their own designs that's exactly what's going to go down that's exactly what's going to happen um you know and, and something else involving china too that you may or may not know uh this whole abolish police that whole thing defund police abolish police and everything else you realize that's a chinese government operation right how many years have I been highlighting these operations from Russia and China and, to a lesser extent, Iran? You know These countries have been actively involved in social media campaigns. You realize almost the entire anti-fracking, anti-nuclear, uh, anti-fossil fuel movement, almost the entire thing in the United States is organized by the Russian government. You realize that? The vast majority of it. I know that some of you do-gooders out there who aren't actually do-gooders, you want to think that it's all grassroots and you're all doing, you're being manipulated by the Russian government, who is in an energy war with the United States and has been for well over a decade, but you didn't realize it. And how many times have we highlighted this stuff? We pulled this up and the intelligence community has figured this out. They're well aware of it pretty much every anti-fracking piece of propaganda that you've ever come across was funded by the Russian government. Almost every single speck of it. And you're talking about Russian collusion and Russian interference and everything else. Anytime you have a, a climate change issue or something of that nature, bet bottom dollar that it's coming from Russia or China who has a vested interest in screwing with our energy sector to the point that it makes us non-competitive, which is exactly what the green energy movement does. It makes us non-competitive. But go figure. So, yeah, the um, we, we've actually found out now the Chinese Communist Party is running all of the uh, abolished policing campaigns in the United States. Isn't that nice? More coming up. 95.3 MNC. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in, News Talk 953, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. And again, RB Car Company are your used car experts. They got locations in South Bend and Warsaw. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right. So yesterday I shared with you one of my family's great embarrassments, uh, cousin Anderson Cooper. Cousin Anderson Cooper had the lowest ratings of anybody ever in the history of Jeopardy. Yeah. And you know, you just know he had a conversation with people. He goes, well, at least I'm sure I'll beat Dr. Oz. (laughs) And he didn't beat Dr. Oz because Anderson Cooper sucks. So Anderson Cooper had the worst ratings in the history of Jeopardy. Now, one of the things you don't want to have happen if you go on vacation and you're in the media business, is for your replacement to do better than you. They're they're supposed to be the people who fill in for you, that sort of thing. And uh, the idea is to have everybody want the host to come back, right? That's the whole goal. Well, imagine being the potato. Brian Stelter over at It's Not News at CNN. See Brian Stelter runs the flagship conspiracy program on the conspiracy news network, and Brian Stelter took some time off. I assume he, he went to go get vacation or whatever I don't know he, he goes he he goes away, i assume on vacation he goes away um somebody fills in for him John Avalon okay John Avalon fills in for Brian Stelter on Brian Stelter's show. And John Avalon's ratings were higher. <laughs> now, if you have been listening to this show at all, we have been steadily highlighting how bad ratings have been at CNN, particularly Brian Stelter's show. They're really bad. So now here's the thing. If CNN were an actual television network that cared about ratings and revenue and all of that stuff, he would have been fired a long time ago. So would Don Lemon. Uh, They probably keep Cuomo around because for some reason Cuomo outperforms everybody at the network. But um, there's a lot of folks at CNN who would have been fired if it wasn't purely an ideologically driven lineup. But because all Zucker is trying to do is push propaganda, push propaganda, push propaganda, uh, they let these folks still keep their jobs uh, and they pay them way too much money. So Brian Stelter goes on vacation. John Avalon fills in for Brian Stelter. And for the first time in a very long time, the ratings go up. <laughs> uh, now, for the record, I just want this to be you know crystal clear. Um, I actually despise Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter is a terrible human being. Brian Stelter is an awful person. Brian Stelter deserves all of the bad things that happened to him directly. And it could not happen to a better candidate for him to lose his job because his his vacation fill in host got better ratings. I don't know that that's actually going to happen, but if it were to happen, it would be one of the funniest things to have ever happened in cable news. And John Avalon, who I, I don't know anything about, I didn't see any of the segments or anything like that, had a, a much better ratings win than Brian Stelter, whose ratings have been in the toilet for a very long time, even through the Trump years, his ratings were not good. So this is via Fox. CNN, struggling media program Reliable Sources with Brian Stelter, the most ironically named program on all of television, by the way, hit another low on Sunday with its smallest audience of 2021, as the liberal program has now failed to crack the 1 million viewer plateau for five consecutive weeks. Now, again, if you're under a million viewers on a cable news show, you're not doing great, especially with the time slot that he's in. Stelter's program averaged only 810,000 total viewers and a dismal 163,000 among the key demographic of adults age 25 to 54 on May 2nd for its worst performance of the year in both categories. To make matters worse, for Stelter, his own show performed better last week when replacement host John Avalon filled in. The Avalon-hosted edition of Reliable Sources on April 25th averaged 907,000 people for a nearly 100,000 viewer increase over Stelter's return. Now, let me just, again, I, I realize that most of you kind of understand what's going on, but this is so juicy, I just have to break this down. The host of the show goes on vacation, and the fill-in host draws almost 100,000 more people, and when the host comes back from vacation, where everybody's supposed to be like, oh man, we're ready for him to come back, yeah, okay, cool. He's going to be rested, he's going to be relaxed, he's going to be all of this, and he lost 100,000 viewers from his fill-in. That's not good. Now, in my world, <laughs> in most people's world who who work in media as talent, uh, this would have resulted in a firing. Whereas Avalon would have taken over the show. I mean, there wouldn't have been auditions or anything. I mean, like, well, Avalon did a much better job than Brian Stelter, who's been sliding in ratings for years. Uh, why not? We're just we're bleeding at this point with, with Brian Stelter. His programming is terrible. He's perpetually wrong, demonstrably so. Uh why not have somebody else take over the program and give it a shot? I this is this is like one of those things where to use a, a, a tired sports analogy. So you've got a you've got a quarterback, okay, who is your starting quarterback, but your team is just not putting up any points. You just can't win. You've got this, you know other person on the bench who, you know, doesn't have maybe the experience, but apparently has some talent and you just, you're not really sure what to do. And eventually it gets to the point where we're not doing anything with our starting guy. So we might as well put the other guy in and see what happens. And then you bring the other guy off of the bench and you bench your starting quarterback. And that's how these quarterback controversies start and everything else. Uh, The fact that your vacation fill in host is drawing a hundred thousand more people a night to your program And instead of them staying to watch you when you return and see if you can keep doing what the fill-in host is doing, or maybe perhaps it's just the news cycle and people are tuned in because of the news cycle or whatever. So, you know, instead of you coming back and keeping that 100,000 or maybe even adding to it because people are excited you're back, you lose 100,000 viewers like that simply because you came back from vacation which means people were excited that Brian Stelter was not on his own show anymore and they didn't care who filled in for him and more people watched the show and they did so when the fill-in host was there and the moment they knew that Brian Stelter was coming back, they turned it off again because they did not want to listen to his human thumb-shaped head. I, as I've said before, this could not happen to a better person. And I sincerely mean that. There's a lot of people in media who suck. I mean, a lot of people who suck. But Brian Stelter's at the very top of that list. He is an awful, awful person. Everybody I know who knows him hates his guts. Everybody. So this could not have happened to a better guy. More coming up. News ninety 95.3 Michiana's news channel. And good afternoon, thank you for tuning in, News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Well, I thought that I had some of you fooled. I really, truly did. Thought that I had some of you fooled, but apparently I didn't. Somebody called me out on it yesterday. There is a letter-writing campaign to get me fired right now. It is a letter-writing campaign of one, but it is still a letter-writing campaign, so this is, uh, this is the letter to get me fired that, that ended up getting sent to the station yesterday. Time for your three to six time slot to be filled by a different person that will not talk bad about the community. The person you have for that slot needs to go and go now. People do not like him. <laughs> uh, besides the obvious grammatical problems... With this particular letter, um, which you can see if you're watching the live stream at Trovo Live uh, slash Casey the host right now. <laughs> see, here's here's the here's the thing. I defended the community yesterday from two different school districts who had attacked the community. That's what that's what's so funny about this. <clears throat> here's what's here's what's probably happening the individual who clearly has no idea who I am because they don't listen to the radio station. Um, this individual probably didn't even hear the segment. I I would bet money. They did not hear the segment. I I would, I would actually venture to risk the safety of my board op, Josh, that they did not hear the segment. And somebody just told them something and they said, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. So they put their mint julep down and they sent off a nice little letter on Facebook. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> Not that anything is wrong with a mint julep, they just taste horrible. So <laughs> this, I literally defended the community yesterday. I literally defended the community. South Bend School Corporation basically said anybody who's upset about their property taxes going up is an idiot because we we tried to explain it in as simple terms as, as we could. If you couldn't understand, you're too stupid. Sorry. And then the superintendent for Elkhart Community Schools attacked parents and attacked the community because they didn't vote for the referendum. And I defended the community in both cases. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that's, that, is it? Oh, somebody's asking if this is Pete Buttigieg who sent the uh, who sent the letter. Well, I don't know. I mean, he is a Rhodes Scholar, so the grammatical errors are perfectly fitting. To be perfectly honest with you, but. Um, <laughs> So ladies and gentlemen, please stop not liking me. Okay? I can't I can't stand people not liking me, so please start liking me so that so that I can have some fans. (laughs) Okay. I still have COVID. I'm not supposed to laugh this hard. I think the funniest part is the person you have for that slot needs to go and go now. People do not like him. It's so sad because so many more people like me than this person. And yet they feel that enough people don't like me that I should go away. So what does that mean about them? Do they have no no self-value, no self-worth? It's just... I find that to be sad and depressing personally, but that's just... That's just me. I'm a compassionate person who cares about this community, and apparently they don't. So, <laughs> uh, no, I. That's it, that's just it. People on the live stream are like, they don't even know your name. I know, is that they don't listen to the station. They don't know anything about me. How long have I been here? Over ten years. Over ten years, just dominating this uh, this time slot, and <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> But like I said, somebody, somebody said something to them, and they're like, I'm going to put my mint julep down and give them a piece of my mind. And that's what happened. They gave us a piece of their mind. All right, speaking of other idiots, the FBI. Uh, FBI executed a search warrant uh, against those people in Alaska and their business. So it was their house and their business that they executed the search warrant at. Uh, and remember, they're the ones that said, uh, we're here for Nancy's laptop. We were we were told you had Nancy's laptop, and that Nancy's laptop didn't get snatched like was initially reported. But apparently, it did get snatched, and apparently, they're really concerned about what is on Nancy's laptop. So, anyway, uh, the full warrant has been released, and the warrant was executed. And we went over this a little bit previously. There is zero evidence that would qualify or justify a warrant in this situation to go raid their house in Alaska. Zero. The, these people were not in the White House, or not the White House, but the Capitol Building. They did not enter the Capitol Building. They were not a part of what happened on June 6th inside the Capitol Building. And with the fisticuffs with uh, law enforcement and security there, they were not a part of any of that. They were there at the event as there was over 100,000 people who were there. There is a whole bunch of people who were there who never went inside the Capitol. There was a few dozen people who went inside the Capitol. A lot of those people, again, BLM and Antifa activists. We have them on camera. We know who broke windows. We know who instigated riots. They're not being charged at all. And yet the FBI is traipsing all the way across the globe in order to kick in people's doors in the middle of the night, asking for Nancy Pelosi's laptop with absolutely no evidence. So one of the questions that we had based on the initial reports of this thing, which are, you know, how is it that the FBI even arrived to the conclusion that they need to kick these people's door in and that they needed to go to their business and investigate their business and everything else? Well, we now know because all of the information has been released. Well, if you look at it, so there is 38 pages Okay, this is 38 pages in the FBI document here and for those of you who are watching on Trovo, uh, you will see it. So you get uh, 38 pages and you can go and I think it's page 16 is where you actually start getting the reasons. So the first, you know, first 15 pages, yeah, page 16. The first 15 pages of this is rehashing the timeline of events. That happened at the Capitol on January 6th. So on page 16, you actually get to the story. So what ended up happening is this couple leaves Washington, D.C. They get on Alaska Airlines flight. They get into an altercation with a flight steward, male flight steward, and they were flagged as being problematic passengers because they wouldn't wear their masks. That flight steward then hopped on the FBI's website and started going through pictures of people that the FBI wanted in order to uh, you know, have for questioning and things like that. And they thought they thought that the woman matched the description of one of the individuals in a picture, and the flight steward contacted the FBI. So the FBI went to Alaska, kicked in their house, kicked in their business, and and interrogated them for hours, okay, without giving them the, the proper information that they're required to give. They did that because a flight steward was butthurt. Welcome to America 2021. Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank R&B Car Company. Locations in South Bend and Warsaw, R&B Car Company are your used car experts. A disabled Wisconsin dairy farmer is suing Biden over the COVID-19 loan forgiveness program, alleging that it is racist because whites are not eligible It is, of course, racist. Uh, Adam Faust, a white resident of Chilton, who has two prosthetic legs, is among five Midwestern farmers who recently filed a lawsuit in Green Bay that accuses the federal government of violating their constitutional rights. This is all uh, in the New York Post. Were plaintiffs eligible for the loan forgiveness benefit, they would have the opportunity to make additional investments in their property Expand their farms, purchase equipment and supplies, and otherwise support their families and local communities, according to the lawsuit. Because plaintiffs are ineligible to even apply for the program solely due to their race, they have been denied the equal protection of the law and therefore suffered harm, it says. Now, Faust is the owner of Faust Farms. He told the news outlet, local news outlet over there, uh, that the program is out and out racist. It was just out and out racist, and I really don't think that there should be racism allowed in the federal government at any level, he said. Uh, and he's right. <clears throat> Look, he, point, point blank, he's right. And we've kind of talked about this before, where you have these you know, weird radical leftists out there who just assume that you know, as, as long as whites are the target, then it's not racism. Well, the law says you can't discriminate based on race. It doesn't say except white people. Now, that would be immoral, but you know maybe the law would be in place, but that's not what it says. So You can't discriminate based upon race. You can't do it. This whole program is is racist. Also, the amount of money that is being given to black farmers, considering how many black farmers there are, is also ridiculous. But I digress. If somebody's green, I think they should be allowed to participate based on their actual qualifications for the program and not just picking an arbitrary thing like race. Yeah, that's pretty much what Dr. King would have said. The American Rescue Plan provides $4 billion to forgive loans for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers, according to the lawsuit, which alleges that socially disadvantaged are only those who are black, American Indian, Hispanic, Alaska Native, Asian American, or Pacific Islander, according to WLUK. Um, And he's white, but he's a double amputee, too. So, you know, this is a a guy who's obviously got some issues um, physically, which may impede his ability to do his work, which may very well qualify him for this program if it were not for the color of his skin. I don't see whether they're going to be impacted any different than anybody else, he said. Uh, So he has spina bifida. That's what he's got. I've never seen any government program based solely on that. I mean, if it would have been anything, if if it would have been against any other race, everybody would have been on board and would have been complaining immediately. 100%. Look, he's right. The man's 100% correct. There's no getting around it. You know, but this, uh, this weird notion that has shown up on you know, college universities that you can't be racist if you're not white. Only white people are racist. And white people cannot be oppressed. It can't happen, which is obviously obscene. You know, something else that's not getting covered, too. Let's just let's just bring this up, because, again, I never say anything controversial. Everything I say is pretty even keeled and doesn't irritate anybody, doesn't uh, cause people in in mint julep fits to go ahead and write strongly worded, poorly punctuated letters to my station to try and get me fired. Um, if you <clears throat> look at the news over the past couple of days With regards to Asian hate crimes, we have an Asian father who was pushing his one-year-old in a stroller who was attacked from behind and physically assaulted. His attacker, not white. Uh, You've got two Asian women who are trying to close up their store when a man came in and started beating them over the head with a cinder block brick. He wasn't white either. In New York, you've got an Asian woman who was attacked from behind by another attacker, and again, these are just the past two days. Was attacked from behind by another attacker and beaten. Um, the attacker wasn't white. So, again, where's the news media who has been pushing an increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans? Where is the news media highlighting who the attackers actually are? Where is that? And once again, they're happening in... Liberal cities, New York, San Francisco. I forget what the third one was, but one was in New York City. One was in San Francisco. You know, in the case of the dad who was attacked from behind, he's pushing his kid with a stroller and he got attacked from behind and the stroller continued to roll. What if that stroller rolled into the street and a car had hit that kid? Every single one of their attackers, every single one of them, not white. I'll let you read between the lines, but they weren't white. Now, why is it that every time we have a string of these attacks, there's no news coverage of it? Because again, the narrative, the narrative is wrong. It's not worthy of reporting, not worthy of reporting if the victim is white or if the assailant is not white. And this is another example of it. There is institutional discrimination against men in this country, and there is institutional discrimination against whites in this country, period. There is institutional racism. It just doesn't go the way that people want it, want it to go. Now, aside from that, in the black community in particular, if you want to argue for institutional racism, I think it exists in the social welfare state, 100%. But it comes also 100% from one political party. There is an institutional component to ensuring that large swaths of black America in particular are kept on food stamps, are kept on welfare, and are kept out of the workforce. And also, there is a, a clear and concerted effort to delegitimize getting an education in the black community. And it's something that a lot of whites feel very uncomfortable talking about, but blacks talk about quite regularly. Getting an education is frowned upon. It's attacked. Um, And then what we have, you know, all of these years that we've been talking about this, uh, we've got higher educational institutions, university-level professors out there telling you math is racist, Uh, English literature is racist, grammar is racist, being on time is racist, science is racist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And because of all of that, what are you doing? You're reinforcing institutionally you're reinforcing this notion that if you get an education which gives you the opportunity to get out of your circumstances to change your circumstances which in the united states of america we are the uh, the unique bastion in this world where you can do that where upper mobility is actually pretty easy but at an institutional level i do agree with you in the social welfare state there is a hundred percent a concerted effort to keep particularly black Americans down. But everywhere else, everywhere else, the demonstrable fact of institutional racism is targeted towards one group of people, and that those are whites. Period. More coming up. Newsog 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Well, Mooresville, Indiana, has just declared itself a sanctuary city for the first and the second Amendment, according to Wish TV, so Mooresville, Indiana, uh, which I guess is uh, not too far away from Indianapolis. So good for them. Good for them. South Carolina State House has voted to add firing squads to the list of approved ex—I uh, almost said education—execution methods in the state. South Carolina State House on Wednesday voted to add the firing squad to the list of execution methods in the state. The legislation, which was approved by a vote of 66 to 43, will mandate that death row inmates select either firing squad or electrocution in the event that lethal drugs are not available at the time of their scheduled execution. I, don't know why I keep wanting to say education. Uh, the Senate approved much the same bill in March by a vote of 32 to 11, which means the bill will likely soon go to the governor who has already said that he plans to sign it. Now this is in South Carolina. Uh, I read an article, I think it was yesterday that Ohio is considering this too. And I, here's the thing for many, many years, I have said, we probably need to have firing squads because firing squads seem like They are, you know, more cost effective. Uh, Every time you hear about the cost of electrocuting somebody or something like that, first thing that I think of is just use solar power. Everything will be fine. Solar power should be able to fry a human being, everything will be good. Then it's green, right? You get to have the whole green energy thing. Uh, Colorado even allows you to compost human beings now. So, you could use solar power to execute somebody, and then you could compost the inmate's body and grow fruits and veggies that way and then feed the other inmates. See? I mean, if, if you really want sustainable, this is the path forward. But the other thing that I I've, I've have to maybe change my position on this, have you seen the cost of ammo? This seems like the exact wrong time to be switching to firing squads. Because it, it, ammo is pricey, and it's really hard to come by. Um, so, Although I have been seeing a lot of people getting their hands on some Hornaday here lately, so that's <laughs> good for you. Uh, but the cost of ammo. So all of a sudden we go from, what is it, cost of electrocution, I think they say it's like, what, ten grand, something like that. So now Firing Squad could very well be an eleven or $12,000 investment <laughs> based on the price of ammo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what you should get? Get one of those can launchers. Those are the, uh, the fake 203 grenade launchers that launch soda cans. Get a bunch of those and just launch a bunch of Coke or Pepsi cans at them. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you want to use Coke? Coke is trying to go super woke. So I don't know if you want to use Coke when you execute prisoners. Uh, but, you know, Pepsi Pepsi makes a fine can. They don't make a fine soda, but they make a fine can. So you could probably just use a, a Pepsi can or better yet, um, get one of the store brands. What are some of the store brand sodas out there and use the can launchers there? So you got, what, 10 guys with a can launcher and they, they shoot the cans at your head. I mean, it's kind of like a stoning, right? I, I would assume it would be effective. It, it may not be all that pretty, but I assume that it would be effective. Or, you know, you could just you go back to, to doing solar power. Uh, to power the electrical chair, so it's they're trying to get away from the electrical chair anyway. But now, of course, lethal injection is all inhumane all of a sudden, and you can't inject people with anything. And it's, it's I don't I don't know why they don't just inject everybody with Roundup. It, it, then of course the complaints are that Roundup is going to give them cancer posthumously, and and that would be bad, but. I don't know. Everybody's trying to sell you that Roundup is going to kill you. Roundup is totally not going to kill you, by the way. That's the case against Roundup is a total and complete farce. I've already been over this. Um, but, you know, it's worth a shot. I assume that wouldn't be very healthy if you injected it. But there's some various options I think we could look at. But uh, firing squad, I've always been pro. But, yeah, I don't know. Cost of ammo. I think this might be a pricey option. Probably not the best time to move to a firing squad scenario. South Carolina and then potentially Ohio doing that. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right. Don't vaccinate the young And the healthy. That is what a group of 28 medical experts have published in an open letter. These are Swedish doctors and researchers. Uh, They also include psychiatrists and uh, others. And where is the... I'm going to butcher some of the names because we're talking about Sweden. Sweden. Uh, but they posted this letter in the newspaper, Gothenburg's Posten. So 28 doctors and researchers, including psychiatrists and others, um, posted this. So here's, here's what they, they basically said. Therefore, we should only vaccinate those who are age 65 years of age and over or at risk. Otherwise, we risk repeating the fatal mistakes of the swine flu vaccination. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that it's taken over a year for somebody other than me to bring up the swine flu fiasco. Hmm. In March of 2009, the world saw an outbreak of new flu virus, possibly stemming from pigs, notably infecting even young people. Alarm bells rang globally as the virus resembled, in many ways, the 1917 Spanish flu outbreak. There was, of course, one guy on radio at KXNT in Las Vegas saying, um, "Yeah, this is not a thing." it was so blatantly obvious and i kept watching people freak out uh the vaccine was shortly developed against the swine flu and administered in 60 or 90 million doses globally in europe and particularly in the nordic countries numerous cases of narcolepsy appeared after those vaccinations the confounding factor is that the swine flu virus itself causes narcolepsy which makes it hard to discern the cause. Still, the patients who developed narcolepsy were compensated by the government. Uh, The signatories cite the risk of developing fatal blood clotting and hemorrhaging, which has also been noted as a side effect of several of the vaccines, including the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is more common, obviously, over in Europe than it is here. Um, The urge not to repeat the narcolepsy mistake and not to inoculate the young and the healthy as well as those who have already had COVID-19, and enjoy some form of immunity. So, um, again, I'm not saying this. The basement dwellers aren't saying this. This is what the experts are saying this. But I know they're Swedish, and Swedish people are white, and therefore you can't listen to them. Uh, Johns Hopkins professor is also telling Americans not to buy into the fear-mongering that the media and experts are selling as the COVID-19 threat wanes. This is The Blaze. Johns Hopkins School of Medicine and Bloomberg School of Public Health professor Dr. Marty Macari has shown that he is not afraid to call out the nation's government health experts and media when he feels that they are being overly cautious when it comes to the handling of COVID-19 from the lifting of restrictions for the vaccinated to the forced isolation of Americans to the health bureaucracy's lack of common sense. And let's be honest, I mean, it doesn't help when you're sitting there looking at Biden and his his entire administration who they keep giving you guidance, and then they themselves are violating that guidance, guidance. And then when they give you guidance that you can take the mask off, uh, they, they take it off. And then, like, the next day, they have the mask on in the exact same situation. They, they're not helping anything. So everybody is just completely confused. Um, and, that, look, you're only confused because you're not actually looking for the answers. You're just looking for somebody to tell you what to do. You should have been looking for the answers. But unfortunately, most people didn't want the answers. They just wanted to be told what to do because looking for answers is hard and stuff. Just two months ago, uh, Macari took the Center for Disease Control and Prevention to task for its absurdly restrictive guidelines for vaccinated people. The doctor said that though the CDC claims to be following the science, the truth is the agency is still paralyzed by fear. That is a direct quote now. He has set his sights on the fear mongering coming from the media and so-called experts who claim the U.S. will not get herd immunity in these days that are seeing COVID-19 pandemic waning. Now, here's here's the thing. Um, Anybody who tells you that we can't get to herd immunity should be smacked across the face. Because this is this is why you don't allow people to teach that math is racist and that two plus two can be whatever answer you feel like. Because the fact of the matter is, by the simple law of percentages, there will be herd immunity. Now, whether herd immunity happens because of the vaccine, happens because of infections, happens because of a combination of both, doesn't matter. At some point in time, you will have herd immunity. In fact, many people believe we're there. So when anybody runs around and says, yeah, the experts say that we're not going to get to herd immunity. That's stupid. That's unscientific. That is a complete and total perversion of basic elementary logic. But that's what they're doing. Why? Because they want to scare you. They want to, It's fear porn. That's all it is. Anything to keep you afraid and to keep you compliant until Biden can do his best to memorize the speech from Independence Day, and reopen everything for July 4th as a present to all of you. And he can act like uh, like he's uh, Napoleon or something. So here's here's the thing. Americans are being fed a distorted perception of the risks by the media and some experts, he says. Of course, that's been the case from the very beginning. They continue to fuel fear by repeating speculation that variants will evade vaccines. Don't buy it. And this has always been something that's perplexing to me, too. They're out there telling everybody to get vaccinated. You can't have your rights back until you get vaccinated. Governor Whitmer out there saying the same thing. I'm not going to give you any. I'm not going to reopen the state until everybody gets vaccinated. Um, Then they tell you that the vaccine doesn't work. So simultaneously, while telling you you need the vaccine to get your rights back. And the vaccine works and is over 95 percent effective. I see the commercials all the time. At the same exact time, they're telling you the vaccine doesn't work. So you still got to wear your, your one, two, three, and four masks, depending on who you talk to. And you're going to need to get booster shots. Pfizer's going to have the pill that comes out uh, at the end of the year to treat COVID at home. And you're going to need to continue to get these inoculations. And now they're talking about getting these inoculations going down to two years old. And they're hoping to have that approved relatively soon. The doctor pointed out that 57% of American adults are vaccinated And around half of the unvaccinated population currently have natural COVID-19 immunity from prior infection, which explains why cases in the U.S. have been plummeting, dropping 31% over the last two and a half weeks. He then has some context. I want you to listen to this. This is important. And keep in mind, we're not comparing it to the flu. It's not the flu. To put things in context, during the mildest flu season in the last eight years, there were 24 million cases according to the CDC. That's the mildest flu season. So there are 24 million cases in the mildest flu season according to the CDC and approximately 440 uh 447,000 daily cases during its peak week, okay? So mild flu season 24 million cases during the worst week it was 447,000 daily cases of the flu. By comparison, average daily COVID cases in the United States, remember it was uh, 447,000 cases with the flu. It's 49,641 daily cases of COVID now. That same mild flu season resulted in 280,000 hospitalizations. The flu, the mild flu season resulted in 280,000 hospitalizations. By comparison, current COVID hospitalizations as of May 1st are 34,905. So what the doctor from Johns Hopkins is trying to point out is right now, considering we have nearly 60% of the adult population in the country vaccinated and half of the unvaccinated adult population already has COVID immunity. And when you look at just the basics of hospitalizations here, and infection rates when you just look at that even compared to a very mild flu season what is happening in this country right now with covid is really unproblematic now that doesn't mean that there aren't still some people who are high risk who will have a reaction to covid okay that doesn't mean that that can't happen But when you look at the numbers for a mild flu season versus how COVID is going through our society right now, nobody would be worried about the flu season, even though there's more infections and more hospitalizations from a mild flu season by a dramatic and wide margin than there is right now when it comes to COVID. Now, he also points out, again, COVID is not the flu, and it's not. It's different. It's time, he said, to end harmful social isolation and abandon the goal of absolute risk elimination at all costs, which for the record, the best experts in the world have been saying that from the beginning. He also noted that the case fatality risk of COVID-19 has dropped significantly and that vaccines will likely provide at least one uh, at least some immunity against variants. And, and then they're going to have the booster shot anyway. But you also have this other little thing that didn't get brought up here. And I always have to bring this up because I'm probably the only person who's going to tell you this. And please understand, this is preliminary and it is in no way, shape or form a done deal. But Israeli scientists have shown that vaccinated people, remember they use the Pfizer vaccine in Israel, that vaccinated people are more susceptible to one of the African strains of COVID than if they had not been vaccinated. Now, that's a preliminary lab result that they have. And a lot of testing has to be done to see if that shakes out in the long term. But what if that ends up being the case? Naturally immune people who have had COVID or already had exposure to a coronavirus and had T cell resistance anyway, those people are going to be in a much better position if this shakes out the way that they're thinking it may, those people who have natural immunity will be in a better position to resist variants of COVID going forward than vaccinated people. And then what are you going to do? Now, again, that's a it's a long shot. It's an outlier. Uh, it's not something that you would base all policy or your health decisions on. I'm just pointing it out because the information is still out there. And if that ends up being the case, that should be concerning to people. So once again, prestigious professor at Johns Hopkins out there telling everybody, yeah, it's it's time to stop freaking out about this. But anybody who says that we can't get to herd immunity just doesn't understand basic statistics. I, I don't even know how. If you're saying you can't have herd immunity, you're saying that you cannot prevent COVID in any way, shape, or form, which means no vaccines, no masks, anything. So there, at that point, your choice is, is one of two things. Either you completely isolate and you hope for the best and don't live your life at all, or you say, well, we can't fight COVID anyway, so we might as well go about our lives and, hey, uh, only the strong shall survive. That, that's really your choice if you're saying that we can't get to herd immunity. But the way that they continuously change the goalposts and they move things around, that should be enough to anger so many of you that we get to a point where we finally say enough is enough. This has got to stop. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Oh, boy. Your woke credit score. Is your woke credit score... High enough to keep you from being denied service by major corporations. We were just we we're just looking at rumble.com. So rumble.com, for those of you who don't know, is a YouTube alternative um, and they're conservative. And it's a nice platform, but they didn't have live streaming, but they do now only for certain membership tiers. And we're considering jumping over there uh, to be able to do the live streaming. I have a rumble com account at Casey the host. So you go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. Um, and every video that I post on rumble is posted on YouTube is posted on Odyssey, that sort of thing. So, you know, you just, whatever you prefer, but uh, rumble is a conservative platform and it's growing and it's getting big uh, and it's got major players behind it. Uh, players who are getting bigger like Dan Bongino. So there is, a real appeal to going to rumble.com for a live stream, even with the cost associated with it right now. And part of that is, is that, you know, look at, look at all the times that we have bounced around. So we used to do the Friday Facebook live, right? So we'd live stream on Facebook, Facebook censored us. Um, then we went to to YouTube, got big on, um, get, uh, not big, but, uh, you know, pretty significant on YouTube for, for the number of people who were there live um, YouTube censored us. Uh, then we went to Twitch, never really took off on Twitch. And I, I was always skeptical that Twitch would be the right platform for this. Um, never really took off on Twitch, but Twitch started having issues with other streamers. And so I just kind of backed away from Twitch. Went to DLive, loved DLive, had tremendous success on DLive at the live stream. Still streamed to DLive. However, DLive basically prevents anybody from finding me. So DLive censored me. Now we're on Trovo, and Trovo's great. I I don't have any major issues with Trovo as far as a platform is concerned. And my viewers prefer Trovo most of the time. But Trovo doesn't promote any podcast or live stream content on their front page. They only promote video game playing, and it's a really small new platform. So there isn't... There isn't a ton of exposure, which means the live streams that we had, which had a lot of people that were on daily, have now been whittled down because of censorship and having to move around. So if you look at, you know, how you're doing business and how you're going to you know grow your stream and that sort of stuff in the way that we do things in radio, because keep in mind, I'm not a streamer first. I'm a radio host first. So it's a little different for me. Um, Rumble makes sense because Rumble is a conservative platform. And since the issue in in the past has been non conservative platforms censoring conservatives, Rumble being a conservative platform makes sense for us to potentially go with. And there's this uh, there's this article in the uh, the Epoch Epic whatever is your woke credit score high enough to keep you from being denied service by major corporations? And we've talked about the credit score and uh, the woke Olympics and all of this stuff many many times. America is no longer a country being divided between conservative and progressive, between Republican and Democrat. It's now being divided between the woke and the non-woke. And thus far, the woke appear to be gaining the upper hand. To be woke means you have awakened to the awful truth about America, just how bad a place it is, and how much it needs to change fast. Now, they're going to go into this. We're going to talk about this on the other side of this break here. How businesses, based on your woke score, could actually limit your ability to interact with the economy. We'll talk about that coming up on 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. Um, I'm going to talk to you about Faber's B window. You know, a lot of you are looking at getting windows now. It's a common product. Uh, that people upgrade their home with in spring and summertime. You know, you've just come out of the winter. You kind of realize your windows weren't great. Cold air was getting in. Warm air was getting out. Now you're coming into summer and you've got to worry about hot air getting in and cool air getting out. And you're also starting to get in that mode where you're looking at your home, it's curb appeal, and maybe you're finding that some improvements need to be made, or perhaps you're selling your house. I know a lot of you are selling your house right now, taking advantage of the market, and you want to get maximum dollar for it, well, Windows can definitely do that. And Faber's B-Window has done over 600,000 windows. They've got over 60,000 customers. They've been around since 1983. They don't just do windows. They do doors. They do siding. They do porch conversions, bathroom remodels, and more. Go to their website, bwindow.com. Get all of that information for you. And they're offering tons of great options for you right now, up to 50% off, plus special manufacturer rebates, plus... 24 months, no interest, no payments. Again, favors be window, be Make sure you let them know that I sent you. So talking about is your woke credit score enough? And this is a long article and it kind of goes into a book and everything else. I'm just getting pieces of it for you. There is a section of this article called fight the corporations in court or go around them. And they're speaking about these. You know, the censorship that we're just talking about the, the back end of this uh, this last uh, segment here and how we're now openly discussing going to rumble.com because it's a conservative platform that finally launched live streaming and we can do live streaming there. But it's not cheap. It's expensive. And that might be an option for for my team and I. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But that's an example of going around. You can fight YouTube in court. You can fight Twitter in court. You can fight Facebook in court. You can also go around them. And Rumble.com basically said, we're going to create an alternative. And there's been a lot of attempts to create an alternative to YouTube over the years that have failed. Rumble.com is in the best position to succeed. And they are growing by leaps and bounds. They're doing a fantastic job with their business model. They're also growing kind of slow. The live streaming thing is brand new and it's not available to everybody yet. You have to have a certain account, a pricey, expensive account, but you have to have that account. And so there's another example of, uh, you know, your choice between fighting and going around. We've talked about the parallel economy a lot on this show for well over a decade, and we're at it. Point now where a lot of people are talking about a parallel economy now. A lot of people are actively participating in a parallel economy right now. Uh, Dan Bongino participates. He's an investor in Parler. He's an investor in Rumble. He talks about that parallel economy. We've told you about Gab. Uh, Gab was the first one. Before Parler was even an issue, there was Gab and Gab was being censored and Gab got taken off of the internet. So Gab bought their own servers and relaunched. Gab is coming out with a phone uh, that that's an Android based phone that gets you away from the Google services. But they also are coming out. You've heard me say this a million times. Conservatives need banking. Desperately. Gab is coming out with a payment processor, Gab Pay. So you'll act, be able to have a First Amendment friendly payment processor i don't know what the cost or everything else is associated with it but as a company who was nearly destroyed because of the politics of paypal and other places that is extremely appealing to me if it's affordable so the there are options here that are starting to happen but it is requiring people with the knowledge and the means to step up and do it and a lot of places are doing that. The, the Gabs, the Parlors, the, the Rumbles, and other companies are starting to do this. And once that happens and there's that parallel economy, one of two things will happen. Either all of the old guard, like YouTube and Facebook and everything else, are going to realize that they have to settle their actions down in order to attract people back. Or we're just going to split evenly as a society, even with our social media. It's going to be real interesting to see what ends up happening here. I'll put this article in the Daily Show Prep today. I encourage you to read it. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I am your host, Casey's, Casey Casey's Hendrickson. Casey Hendrickson. i uh, got to tell you about allnaturalcbd.org. Again, if you go to that website, use my promo code Casey 10 You save yourself 10%. They even have packages like three packs where you save additional money, plus you get to get my discount. You know what? Um, this might be a really good option for Mother's Day. Um, get mom a CBD bath bomb. maybe something that lavender CBD lotion. So if she runs into any minor aches or pains, maybe she has arthritis or something like that, the lotion will soothe, soothe her joints and her muscles. But then the bath bomb, you throw the CBD bath bomb, that's full spectrum CBD you got an amazing bath bomb and a nice relaxing bath where full spectrum CBD is also being delivered into your body for pain relief. It's a great option for Mother's Day. Go to allnaturalcbd.org promo code KC10 to save that 10%. You can also pick it up at any local Esigworks location. Again, any local Esigworks location my promo code works just fine there. All right. Um, I don't have a ton of time to really go over any, any other major story or anything of that nature. Uh, but people are asking me like, Hey, if you, if you do make the switch, uh, over to rumble.com, you know, please let us know. And I certainly will. And here's the best way for you to keep up to date on stuff like that. Go to my website, the Okay. I've got a new feature on there, which allows you to get notifications in your browser when I publish a new post. So please opt into that. So anytime I publish a new post, you'll get a little notification in the bottom right of your screen that says uh, an article was published. So you won't miss any videos or podcasts or daily show preps or anything like that. Sign up for the free newsletter in order to get access to the daily show prep. And then that newsletter, you know, it said it goes out a couple of times a week and it gives you the show prep and some pertinent posts and, of course, information on events. And if I do make a move to Rumble.com, you will get that in the newsletter. So go do all of that. I've also got a merchandise store at TheBurningTruth.us as well. Just click on store. Have a wonderful night.